Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone. Hi, how are you? How's your week going? It's Amber and Jenna here with a very special guest, Molly Mitchell Hart, discussing the very relevant topic of pregnancy and the patriarchy. Hi, Molly, a new mama. Welcome to the show with us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolute pleasure. And you've got a little one. Where is he right now? Um, he is being rocked in his bassinet by his papa. <laughs> and come on. What's his name? How old is he? His name's Rock. Um, and he is about 16 and a half weeks. Whoa. Yeah. He's a big boy. So wow. I get my strength back. <laughs> Freshy. Yeah. And my kids are obsessed with baby rock. Like they are obsessed with him. They mm. always ask to see him, see his pictures. I have to show him them, uh, his Insta stories or Molly's Insta stories uh, <laughs> to satisfy their needs to see baby rock. And they send him videos and stuff sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm deep in kind of like the trying to grab a name that really resonates with mm-hmm. who I think this little spirit is growing inside of me. And I, I'm so cu- curious to know, how did you come up with Rock? What was the process? Yeah. That's such an original, cool name. Yeah. So actually, um, about a year before my husband and I met, he was uh, talking to his mom about, you know, having kids and names for whatever reason. And, um, he's out there on the beach in Venice and rock came to him and his name is Zach spelled Z A C H. And so, um, rock came through and then he's like, but it's definitely with a C H. (laughs) Um, and, and then later we, we kind of looked up origins of the name and it's actually, um, the name of a patron saint in, um, in France. And there's a street in Paris called Rue Saint-Roch, you know, like St. Rock. And then I tried to take a picture of it last time I was in Paris to show you, but like the taxi was moving too fast. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Um, apparently he was the patron saint of the sick and dying, the unjustly accused, and um, dogs were his like, his sort of spirit animals. Nice. Yeah. Well, perfectly fitting then. I'm really sorry, guys. Can you hear like a dentist drill going on in the background? That's actually a, a jackhammer or something. Oh, Can my goodness. Yeah, we could hear it, but it's very, it's fake. So, it's fake. It's not, okay. It's I'm going to mute out as much as I can. Um, but Jenna, thank you for sharing that, Molly. Well, so good. I love the meaning and the story behind names. Jenna, do you want to introduce Molly legitimately to our audience? Yes, I do. So um, this is a little bio that I wrote up for Molly because I I just love her and she didn't send a bio through. So I just came up with this. So um, here we go. As the youngest and only girl in a family of three brothers and a dad who taught at MIT, Molly Mitchell Hart had to grow up with both tough and quick thinking. After uh, after a career as a childhood, childhood gymnast, she eventually graduated from USC, dove deep into the world of yoga practice, becoming a yoga teacher and teaching in Venice, California, before going on to get her master's degree in psychology from Pacifica University, where she presented her master's thesis entitled Pregnancy and the Patriarchy While Breastfeeding Her Newborn Son, rock. And I mean, she was like breastfeeding on the stage. So, um, yeah. So that is Molly. And, you know, I just, I have to say like, I love Molly. We connected from the moment that we met, we talked about, you know, ancient Sumerian goddesses and how that's like totally relevant to our experiences in the present. Um, we met probably like every week throughout the end of her pregnancy. And I'm just, I'm so happy to have her here talking about this topic. So thank you for being here, Molly. So happy to be here. I actually started to feel a little bit tearful as you you said my bio, you read out my bio. Um, 
thinking of thinking back on presenting my thesis and breastfeeding my son that was definitely a moment for me <laughs> yeah that's like an iconic moment that needs to be in a movie or, or a book or something <laughs> luckily my husband caught it on on video well if your husband caught it on video knowing your husband it's going to be in a movie or like a music video <laughs> or something at some <laughs> point yeah. it'll be memorialized somehow definitely <laughs> um so maybe now I will give a little definition of my definition of today's topic, which is pregnancy and the patriarchy. Um, and then Molly, if you have anything to add to this, you are feel free. So <clears throat> like all things in our current reality, the Western medical system was set up by mostly male doctors without consideration for ancient female wisdom. After midwifery was demonized in the early 1900s, the rise of male-controlled pregnancies and births have been the standard for at least a few generations. Pregnant women today are expected to conform to these norms without question, but due to the rising consciousness on the planet, more and more mamas are opting for more intuitive approaches to birthing and taking control back for themselves. Yes. Yes. So good. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, that's so fantastic and definitely a lot of what I was furiously researching, not only to write my thesis, but also, um, for myself because I chose to, uh, have a home birth. And with that came a lot of, um, a lot of waves in my personal world, um, I had a lot of people around me who were very afraid of that choice. And so I felt like I had to arm myself with, um, with that knowledge that you just said. Um, just that for me, it felt like a safer choice based off of my intuition and, um, also the, the information that I was learning that so often interventions in hospitals happen because you're in a hospital, um, just by being there because it's not a, a natural environment to, for a mammal to want to be that vulnerable. And, you know, how much more vulnerable could you be than when you're giving birth? Um, so yeah, that was a beautiful definition. Thank you. Thank you. No, I totally agree with that. Just sort of unnatural for a mammal, you know, like a mammal kind of wants to crawl under, be in the dark and the hospital's like the opposite. You're like exposed with all these people looking at you with like bright lights. But I actually, you know, I experienced, I was there for a friend when they burst in the hospital and it really wasn't that bad. And they dimmed, they dimmed the lights. So mm -hmm. maybe that's just sort of my own fantasy of how it would go down since I had two yeah. out of hospital births. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, um, it's getting better and there's, um, an awakening around a lot of this information. I think it's happening more slowly than, I would like to see as just things are, you know, they, they always move so slowly on the kind of wider scale, which is, can be infuriating when, when you feel like you're screaming into a void, you know? Um, but yeah, I think things are changing. There's more like birthing tubs and, um, and that sort of stuff going on, but I still hear so many stories that sound so violating of, um, of the sacredness of childbirth, you know? Um, like what's an example of a story that you've heard or something that, um, even just like, so, so even something that might not even sound that extreme, but even just people coming, like doctors coming in and out without announcing themselves while you're like legs are up in stirrups, that feels really violating to me. And, um, I think we can always chalk these things up to like, well, that's what it is to give birth, you know, period. And I kind of believe like it doesn't have to be like that. I think um, sometimes, uh, you know, there's so many women giving birth in hospitals. And so you can end up maybe feeling like another number. Um, and I'm not saying this is true across all scenarios, um, but I think it happens enough. <laughs> um, and I think it's pretty common for there to be some level of personal violation, um, whether it's even like touching your body without, um, without consent or, um, I've heard of many instances of 
women having drugs put in their IV without consent, which is, that's not okay. Like in what other scenario would that be okay? Um, Totally. And it feels like that happens because people believe not only that women, but especially birthing women are incapable of making their own choices, Um, which in my experience as a birthing person was not true. Like I was calling all the shots in my experience um, and felt very clear, actually. I just have to contribute to that as well. Sorry, guys, I've relocated to the bathtub. Can you still hear the jackhammering? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we can't. Okay, go, 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 go. I'm in the bathtub. Um, So, yeah, in, in my, just from my perspective, it feels as though the medical system have produced doctors who are generally desensitized, not just to the whole pregnancy procedure, but to everything. They're so used to being bombarded and seeing things like birth as a medical procedure rather than a sacred spiritual intuitive process that they don't they don't have that lens on therefore how can they treat you like that if for them they've been trained and and conditioned to see it as get the baby out you dilate at this and if that's not happening you do that they completely disregard the concept of intuition playing a role in something like that, that I don't, for me, it doesn't feel like an attack on women. It feels like a a perspective that they've been trained into and conditions in their work environment, which don't help understanding it as anything but a medical procedure. So top, Totally. And just to that point, which I think is so brilliant, it's like, but that's how the patriarchy is so subtly yeah. imbued into our world because the, 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 what you just described, Amber, of being trained in this mental process of like, this is what you do, like cause and effect, like linear, like how they get trained in medical school is a very masculine way of thinking. You know, a feminine way of thinking is from the gut, is from the intuition. And that's part of the female wisdom that has been so pushed to the side in the system the male wisdom is this linear thought which has carried western medicine through and even female doctors are still thinking along these like m- these male uh lines in a way yeah that's that's exactly just to piggyback off of it that's exactly what came up um for me too is that I almost see the medical system as this microcosm of the patriarchy like it's just another example of how the patriarchy has infiltrated every aspect of our lives in in such a way that it's almost invisible like it's so insidious yes um, yes and something that's been coming up for me lately now on the other side of of the birthing process is so a lot of my thesis actually talks about um sort of this idea of mass dissociation that is required in order for the patriarchy to stay in power. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's impossible if we were in touch with our hearts and our, and our bodies, it would be impossible to be the way that we are in society. Um, so like true. for instance, it would be impossible for women to go back to work after three months or two weeks, which 25% of women do, you know, I mean, it would be impossible Mm-hmm. It just, and, and it is impossible. It is a sort of impossible task that we're given. And in some ways we have to dissociate in order to survive, you know? Um, and that to me is just like heart crushing. Um, and that's the, the thing about it is that when like, so my case for it is that like, we've gone through this mass trauma, which is called the patriarchy that happened um, you know, before Christ, where we used to, in the Neolithic era, you know, we lived in these goddess worshiping cultures, and then the patriarchy kind of came through that, and that changed our mythology, that changed all, all our belief systems. Um, and now we're in this place where I think that was sort of this mass trauma that has that happened and now um, through epigenetics is continuing to impact us, both men and women equally, actually. That's what I believe. I I can hear you. It's all happening. Um, and yeah. Molly, I would just love you to give your definition on the patriarchy for anyone who feels like it's a little bit confusing or ambiguous of a topic. What would you say the patriarchy is? 
Yeah. So, um, the patriarchy, I think it's important to note that the patriarchy is not synonymous with masculinity, but rather it's, um, a system, a sociocultural political system of masculine aspects being valued over the feminine aspects. But it doesn't mean, like, masculine doesn't mean men, you know? Because the idea is that every human being has the masculine and the feminine within. Such a good point. Yeah, so... I don't want to, I, I don't want to kind of demonize men because I don't really, I don't believe in that. I think men are suffering under this system just as much as women are. Absolutely. They're um, severed from their souls. Yeah. And it's, it's really about balance of the masculine and feminine. And right now we're out of yeah. balance towards the masculine systems. So it has, so yeah, just to add to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's an important piece. Um, and yeah, really what we're looking, what I'm looking for, hopefully in this next iteration of where we evolve is, um, placing the masculine and feminine as not the same, but equal. Um, and, and that means both within intrapsychically and without, you know, in our society and the way that we interact with each other. Um, because the way things are set up, it really feels, it really, really feels like an impossible task. You know, um, I feel really blessed and lucky that I was able to stop working towards the end of my pregnancy. And I've heard countless stories of women who are like, oh yeah, I worked till the day I gave birth. And I just can't imagine like many women, when they give birth, they're up all night. They might be up for three nights, you know, in labor. And then when labor's over, you have a child, an infant who, you know, then you're up all night with your infant. And it's like that level of depletion to start motherhood off of, I mean, is just insane to me. And I was talking to this woman the other day um, and she was saying that the patriarchy works by keeping women Feeling I like just have crazy. to interject because I feel as though yeah. a point we mentioned before was that we're living in a time, I mean, at least in our little bubble in California, in the communities we're in, mm-hmm. I can see an, a, a rising up of the feminine and I can see that showing up in women running for president and even being considered for president in um, people, you know, the Me Too movement, women are finding their voice. I can see a lot of systems being broken down, patriarchal systems, and there being this understanding and at least even acknowledgement of females moving towards more of an equal place within the systems that have been, that our world and reality have been structured on. Now, I I feel as though because of that, there are if if your eyes are open to it, you have more of a choice than ever before. Like for instance, I'm aware now that there are resources that are in my face that weren't so much for people 10 years ago, such as um, midwives, doulas, if we're just considering birth, midwives, doulas, um, support systems, people giving out, the government giving out free breast pumps. You know, there are certain things that are coming which make me realize the the patriarchal systems are not my only choice. And so I feel like it comes down to doing your research and making a choice. I don't really believe we're victims to the patriarchy. I feel like each person, now that we have more resources than ever, can do their research and can indulge in the resources and can make a choice standing for, you know, the the matriarchy rather than the patriarchy. Well, Amber, I'm just only going to say to that, though, that like you are in a position of being able to have that choice. I think a lot of people are not that lucky. Like to get a midwife, even though it's so much cheaper to have a home birth than a hospital birth, you have to pay out of pocket so much more. That's changing. A lot of people might not be able to afford that. But what I'm saying is like, oh, yay, it's changing. It's changing because of podcasts such as this and these conversations is what's Mm -hmm. changing it. And we are standing at a moment of consciousness 
consciousness shifting. And of course, we're going to see that manifesting. And thank God we're seeing that manifesting on the cutting edge of the countries, you know, you know, on the coast or whatever in the communities that we're in. But I don't necessarily think that is like a choice for everyone at this point in history, although we're moving in that direction. So no, it, I, I, it's totally, awesome. I understand that and, it's not a choice no, for everyone, I, I, which is what I mentioned before. But I think what my point is, is that the information, the shift is happening to the degree where as an individual, if you choose to go inward and do research and really look into all of the options available in your space, whether that be in the next town, whether that be in a spiritual community, whatever it may be, I feel as though most people can make create a mindset which moves them away from the victim mentality of the patriarchy is dominating my life to I can be a standing for the female wisdom and for a new way of doing things I don't think we have to be victims to it of course you know I don't think we're trying to be victims I don't but I I, yeah I, I I'm sort of I just want to interject about the idea of the victim mentality because I don't, sorry, plain. (laughs) Um, I don't think that we're victims. I think that um, we're hypnotized. And I think that there is a huge surge of um, awareness happening, but I I don't think that's all over. Um, There are still states that midwifery is not an option. Is it illegal? Is not an option. Really? Um, yeah, if you free birth, if you free birth at home and you go to a hospital, like you decide to transfer, no way. Call you see, CPS I'm completely ignorant to these kind of like yeah, statistics. I mean, the, the the fight is still very wow. much like yeah. I had no idea. You know, I, I completely apologize and, for being ignorant. I mean, yeah, I only have so, my reality to kind of bounce off and totally. And we do live like I mean, God, living in Venice. Are you kidding? I mean, I can have a postpartum doula. And I can have my midwife and I can do a free birth and I can, you know, like I listened to the free birth society podcast, my whole pregnancy was amazing, you know, but I think there's that level to it. And I think there's also this level to it of of the hypnosis of the trance, like that we don't even know. It's like, it's like where it's the super swimming in. So I would say most people don't even know that. Yeah, that's a a really beautiful way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot, Jenna and I, about the hypnotism, you know, that, that whole saying of we are waking up is in we've been asleep <laughs> and it is conditioning and it is like yeah. the mass general belief yeah. system that we're born into that we grow up thinking is the only way. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I guess I'm just rooting for the concept of inner work is the freedom within that is going to be the freedom to make new choices and yeah. to create your own reality within systems that seem to be overwhelming and dominating and not in support. It's not the only option. I just want people to get that they have the power to recreate systems for their own self. And I totally understand that it may not be a reality option for people in their state. I mean, I had no idea it was illegal to have home births and midwives in certain places, but wow. Yeah, that's shocking. And also, you know, people's families, you know, like, and husbands, like sometimes don't support the option of the mom taking radical responsibility for her own pregnancy and birth. I mean, a lot of, if you say you want a free birth, like your husband might not be down with that or not you personally, but like a person's husband might not be down with that or their family might not be down. The mom and the the mother-in-law could be trying to convince. And I know that happened a little bit with Molly and maybe she'll talk about that. Like even in Venice, Mm -hmm. like it can can make people uncomfortable, you know? So there's a lot of like just society general pressure on women to conform, you know? And, 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 Amber, you're a bit of a lioness, you know, you're a bit of a, like, just like, you don't really care. You're just going to do your thing. But a lot of other women, such as myself, who's like more sensitive to other people and want to make people happy, it can be more tricky when trying to make those types of decisions for yourself. I also think that, and Molly, I want to hand this over to you because you're the expert in this realm, but what you said, Jenna, about the men being more fear-based around allowing you to just be birthing at home by yourself, I feel as though that's the 
that is their genetic coding. They work with a more linear mind, which looks at the pros and cons and the risks. And, you know, every, they're trying to protect you. And I just think it's like more of a masculine trait in a way to try um, get all the risks out of the way. And that looks like being maybe birthing in a hospital. So if anything goes wrong, you're looked after. Exactly. That's a good so point. I just feel like that's male the way the male mind works is more orientated toward that. Well, that's totally, that's why we're talking about pregnancy and the patriarchy. Um, so Molly, tell us more. Cause I know one thing you said before we got off a track before was that like one of the tactics is to make women feel crazy for feeling how they feel. And I do want to get back to that because I feel like I've been made to feel crazy a lot in my life, but I also want to hear mm-hmm. about, um, you know, if you had anything to say on our, what we had just been speaking about too. Yeah, um, trying to ground into that. <laughs> so um, I think what comes up for me is similar. I mean, what you were saying, um, Jenna, is that even in Venice, even somewhere where there's such um, progress being made, I got a lot, personally, I got a lot of fear projected on me about my decisions. Um, and I tend to, in life in general, um, choose options that might seem alternative. Um, and that's just because I I have learned a healthy skepticism of the systems that are because of how I felt um, crazy because of them, you know, for instance, um, I was really like kind of sick for many years and was going to Western doctors and not only no progress was being made, but you know, I was getting worse and it wasn't until I started to see a naturopath and actually started doing tests that were getting to the root of what was going on for me, um, that things started to shift. And that's just one example of so many for me that have created a healthy skepticism, I would say, of of the systems that are the way that they are. Um, So for me, pregnancy and childbirth were no different. Um, And then another piece that I just want to mention, too, is that it's, it's pregnancy, childbirth, and then motherhood, too, that I think... um, like I'm looking at it right now in the early motherhood piece going like, why are things the way they are? You know, um, I feel in culture in the U S mothers tend to be a little more invisible. Um, and really my work as a therapist and the work that I'm doing and the research that I'm doing is to empower women to make choice, you know, to make a choice that feels most empowering for them and to say like, you have choices. Like that's so exciting. It doesn't have to be like, like my mom said, you know, well, you just, that's what you did. You know, you go to the doctor and you hand off your, you know, your decision-making to them, you know, and that felt okay for her because that's all that she knew. Um, and it is so amazing that we have these choices now that we didn't once have and that we have so much information at our fingertips. And I feel really grateful for that. But I would say that the, the hypnosis makes people who maybe don't have that healthy skepticism or skepticism at all of the systems that are, um, it makes them actually somewhat resistant, um, and afraid. There's like, I notice fear come up for people, um, when, I mentioned these alternative choices that I make and have made in my life. Um, and then to, to your question about the, the crazy making or your statement about the crazy making, I don't think it's a purposeful thing, but I do think that to um, frame women as crazy helps to make the case for the patriarchy. Um, or, or at least keep it going. Um, so even just like, like I said before, this sort of dissociation that happens where like I, 
in some way it's like, okay, if I have a corporate job and I'm so exhausted from mothering, um, and I'm so depleted, but I have to show up to that job and, and stay late and work tenfold because I was on maternity leave. Um, that's going to make you feel crazy, you know? And it is crazy. Like it's, it's, not okay. And our society just doesn't support mothers. And I think in many ways, that's the next envelope I would like to be a part of pushing is for feminism to really include motherhood and advocate for maternity leave that is um, sane in any way, shape or form. Because, you know, our northern neighbors in Canada, they have a year. And it's like, to me, it's Scandinavian like, countries as well, don't they? Duh, a year. They have some brilliant yeah. systems. And so Molly, how do you right. see that mm-hmm. eventuating? Germany. I mean, I think like this, you know, we got to talk about it. I mean, I, I personally feel like what comes up in me is, is grief, like really deep grief and rage. Um, And I think the grief is underneath the rage and the rage I think can be extremely beautiful fuel for activism. Um, And I think it's having the conversation and getting women together and men together and talking about this, that it's important, you know, it's important for people's psychological well-being, for their physical well-being. And this is what, this is the leap that we don't make is that, it's also it also has a huge impact on our society at large that if we don't get the time to to uh, build attachment with our children and we have to go off to work or do whatever we have to do um, to survive, that impacts yeah I generations agree. Perpetuating after the generations you know psychologically exactly exactly so. And I really do believe that so much of this stuff starts at pregnancy and childbirth because everyone who's here has been through that process, you know, like nobody, nobody who's here hasn't been birthed and the quality of connection and the quality of that birth and the quality of the pregnancy itself impacts that life that's here. So it's so deeply vital to humanity and I think we're doing a really big disservice to humanity um, by not paying attention mm. to these things. And I, and well at said. the same time, I completely agree, Molly. And there is hope. I really feel as though the more we start to lift the veil on the hypnosis, as you so beautifully say, that we're in, the more we start to see the cracks, and the more we start to realize that there is options and a new way of doing things. And then you open your eyes and even further and see that there are people all over like us, like so many people in our totally privileged society. We live in here in California who have lifted the veil, who we can, who we can group Mm -hmm. with and create new systems with. I think that at the same time on a larger scale, the, the patriarchy is calling the matriarchy to lift their game, to be heard and to create their own systems. For example, we just did an episode on um, the new laws in California, which insists that the medical exemptions are taken away. We, we all know this law, the three of us. <laughs> medical exemptions are taken out of the doctor's hands and yeah. are now in the government hands. And we're basically being blackmailed into whether our kids are having reactions to vaccinations or not, you still have to vaccinate, feeding that pharmaceutical industry and whatever it may be. So that in my perspective, is a calling for new systems because the people who have lifted the veil to the degree where they understand that they're not going to get bullied and this isn't the only way and there may be some big boy agendas to this law refuse to play the game. So they're forced into that intuitive matriarchal society of gathering together in community and figuring out a new system for the for the livelihood, happiness and health of their children. So out of the patriarchy is being birthed new systems, new communities, new ways of doing things. So I really feel like 
this is a calling in a way and that there is hope and that, yeah, we, we just gotta, we gotta gather together and this is the time because on a large level, I feel like we're being supported to rise up and create new worldly systems. It's just look at global, just look at the facts. Like we can't survive on the systems that we've been operating on for so many decades. It's not working. The health of the earth, of the people, of the animals, everything is being destroyed. So it's like do or die situation right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other piece of, you know, humans and have such a incredible capacity to forget. (laughs) Um, And, you know, thank God for spiritual practices. It's like, got to practice, got to practice waking up every day and remember, oh, I am divine, you know, and everything around me is alive and has soul. And um, I think that what has happened in our hypnosis is we've forgotten the energy and the archetype of the great mother. And the fact that we forgot that everything is alive, even the walls and the floor and forgetting that and feeling as though in some way humans are separate and um, elevated from everything else, even though we are not only inextricably linked, but our survival, uh, we wouldn't survive if there weren't, you know, plant life, animal life around us. Um, But our disconnection from the life around us allows us to destroy mm-hmm. the earth. Like that's the mm-hmm. dissociation. Like like the plant life, the earth around us is just an extension of our body, you know? And we would only be able to destroy the earth if we were dissociated from our body. And it's interesting that in all mythology, cross-culturally, you'll find that the earth itself is female, you know? So it's very much indicative of the culture's relationship to the female, how they treat the earth. Absolutely. It's like, it's like as within, so without, as above, so below. That mythology um, is such a mirror to our own experience in the world and also inner experience. So if the, if we're disconnected from mother earth, you know, our external body, you could say, we're also, I would say generally people are disconnected from their inner life. Like we try to live a life as though we don't have an inner life. And we try to live a life instead completely outside of ourselves that um, is completely material. So we're trying to get make more money and we're trying to um, gain more success and influence out there, neglecting the fact that we have a deeply rich, um, vast and vital inner life, um, that if not tended to, you know, shadow comes out in some weird ways. And we can see that through the Me Too movement and all of these stories coming out about kind of the twisted things that happen when... So would you um, say that the inner work that you're describing is one of the fundamental ways to take your power back, specifically during pregnancy? 100 100%. 100%. I think in general in life, 100%. You know, I mean, it's like, I remember um, when I was graduating from USC, I was going to apply to Peace Corps. And I just really wanted to like make a difference and help and, you know, be out there in the world, like doing, doing it. And at some point I realized, I'm like, wait, I'm like very unwell. Like I was very depressed. I Um, was partying like crazy, you know, to kind of mask my, my inner life. You know, I was avoiding my inner life at that point in my life. And um, I chose not to do Peace Corps and instead chose to dive really deeply into yoga and yogic philosophy because I realized that there's no chance that I could help anyone else unless I first started with myself. Um, And man, I, I honestly think my ability to birth my baby at home was, I mean, I, that's a hundred percent because of the inner work that I've done. 
I was about you to had ask a really you, tell us all about the birth. In my opinion. <laughs> and did you have to work on, obviously you have to transmute the fears of the people around you that you love and are part of your family. So I'm interested in knowing yeah. how did you do that? How did you let go of the fears that were being projected on you in order to have a beautiful birth? Because we all know, well, we know that fears are major blockages when mm. it comes down to the birthing process. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So man, I went through so many kind of iterations within my, uh, pregnancy, but I think one, like where I started off, my stance starting off was like, I'm going to have a home birth. And then when I was met with a lot of fear, um, I researched the crap out of it. And I, so that I felt armed with like the sort of more masculine, let's say, uh, research-based knowledge of why this was actually a better choice for me. So that like when I was met with that kind of mentality, I could speak the language. Um, and then I had to, one of my dear friends, Becky, who, um, she's 36 weeks pregnant right now. Uh, she, she kept saying, she she mentioned this mantra to me, which just was really helpful. She said, um, that's not my story. That birth isn't my story. My birth has, my birth story is yet to be written. And that was really helpful for me towards the end of my pregnancy because, um, like I went into this really strong stance of like home birth is the only way. And I felt like that was sort of a natural evolution within my pregnancy. And then at some point I had to let go. I had to totally let go of the home birth and go, okay, if I have a C-section, like that's what has to happen too. You know, like I, I couldn't be so, um, fiercely adamant about that or else I think I would have probably manifested, you know, a transfer or, you know, a C-section or whatever. I had to kind of stop clenching in this like small kind of human egoic way and allow spirit to do what spirit was going to do. Um, so yeah. And then, and honestly, in some ways I had to also put up really intense boundaries around myself throughout my pregnancy where I kind of, I withdrew from a few people who were really adamant about kind of scaring me. Um, because they were scared for my safety. And while I love and appreciate that in a way that just was so counterproductive to the process of birth, as, as you mentioned, Amber, that, you know, fear blocks the ability to birth. And so, um, that was really big for me. And then in terms of the inner work, um, man, I'm so glad that I, I had a meditation and yoga practice because, it was a complete sacred ceremony and, um, a meditation, you know, like if I had let my mind go to the dark place that I knew was available to me at any point in that birthing process, um, it could have spiraled out so quickly and easily. Um, and so much of what I did was talk to myself. I talked to myself and I talked to my baby. Um, my, my birth was eight hours. Um, and I just kept saying, get out of the way, get out of the way, get out of the way. Your body knows how to birth. Trust, 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 you know, um, just remembering almost like if, so like women in a coma can give birth, you know, it's like our bodies know how to do this thing. It's our mind that spin us out and make us believe that we can't do it. Like it's birth is going to happen, you know, one way or another. Um, so that was really big for me in terms of helping with the fear aspect. And then also to remember that fear is a part of it too. Fear is 100% a part of birth because birth is simultaneously a death. And it's like, for me, the biggest ego surrender that I've had ever, you know, where that, um, mask, that persona that we wear out in the world that makes us look all buttoned up and like, we've got our stuff together, um, totally has to fall apart, you know, and we become this, like, I mean, at least for me, like I was a, I was a primal moaning 
roaring animal. Um, and, and that was, that was what was so incredible about birth too, is, is that you really just, that I really got to, um, let go of all my inhibitions and just be there in the moment. Um, it was really powerful for me. Um, yeah, so it was, it was eight hours and, um, I was, I kind of like danced, I danced and kind of like shook my hips. That was really helpful for me. Um, and I, I moaned a lot, you know, I made a lot of sound. It was funny. My, our neighbors were like, is she okay? (laughs) And my husband's like, my wife is giving birth. Like, Oh my gosh, exact thing happened to me in Venice. <laughs> I was in this tiny little Venice cottage and all of my neighbors like, okay, she's either being murdered and strangled and stabbed a thousand times or she's giving birth. But the whole block knew what was going on. Tight, tight quarters. And you guys, you guys gave birth very close to each other. It was like about a block away from Molly and Amber, like Valentine and Rock were born about a block away from each other. Wow. Ooh, that's, that's like potent mm-hmm. energy on the block. Wow. That's crazy. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because it's like, well, this is what birth sounds like. And, and, you know, if, if we lived like how we once lived, everyone would know that everyone would know, oh, this is birth. This is what birth <laughs> sounds like. Um, but again, sort of, that's another little, uh, microcosm of our dissociation is not even knowing what, what birth sounds like. Um, yeah. I just have to say as well, Molly, I love how you mentioned that it was such a mental process. You had to mentally, emotionally prepare yourself to let go. And in that, um, letting go of the inhibitions, you were able to move with that energy moving through you and you didn't have any stifling blocks that were showing up as physical blocks. And I think that if we're comparing that to the patriarchal medical system, we can see that they don't consider that as a tool to use through birth. It's a purely a physical procedure. (laughs) And I think that a lot of women don't go in armed with the understanding that it's a mental, emotional, spiritual um, kind of physical situation. And so I think that if we all got a training book (laughs) on understanding what we can start training for, how we can start training, it would be, we wouldn't be so reliant on the medical. I mean, and thank God for the medical system because so many people would not have their babies unless we had those systems set up for emergencies. But I think that there would be less reliance on those systems if we had the base understanding that there is a lot for us to study and inner work to do in order to contribute to a smooth as possible birth. Very well said. Yeah. I mean, man, the the medical system is amazing in emergency situations it is just, um, the thing is, is that pregnancy and childbirth are treated like they're an illness and need to be fixed, you know? Um, and I, I would even have dreams about, you know, being saved by a man in a white coat. And there was a part of me, the little girl in me was like, please save me from this. Like, no, 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 no. This is really scary. And then this like big mama part of me is like, baby, the only way out is through. You got this, you know? I mean, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> and and then another really big piece too is talking to my baby the whole time. Like he was with me. He was really with me. And I'm telling him like, we got this, you and me. This is you and me. We got this, you know? And I swear he was listening. <laughs> I swear he was listening. And and doing his part, you know, he was coming down when I said, all right, it's time to come down. Um, and I told him not to be scared. And and he was such, such a warrior, 
you know? Um, oh, born warrior, that yeah. kid. Such a cutie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I completely agree. Such a, a another massive part of birth is understanding it's a co-creation. Yeah. Like you are birthing with that baby. The baby yeah. knows what to do. The baby has the internal wisdom of how to come out and you've got to get out of its way and it's got to get out of your way. And together you can definitely, you have the wisdom together and, you know, once again, we're, we're not told that in, in the medical systems, right. the baby is just this <laughs> little side note, doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point earlier too, is, you know, a manual with all this information would be awesome. I guess my, my biggest sort of frustration is that even if there was a manual there would be a huge constituency that would be really open to it. And then there'd be a huge constituency that's not because so many people still really, really trust so deeply in the patriarchal model of things, including the medical model as it is now. And, and so there's, there's even like a, a, a resistance away from like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, um, I had to be in the hospital for X, Y, and Z reason. And granted, I also want to say like, um, m- my intention in sharing this is not to shame anyone ever who has had to make those decisions, who has made those decisions. I think that, you know, we do what we got to do 100%. And, you know, mama's life and baby's life are the most important, you know, in this scenario, so I, I don't want that to like anything that I say to come off shaming to anybody who's, you know, had their own experience of, of pregnancy and birth and all of that. Um, I just want people to make empowered choices. That's all. And, and to be open to open to the fact that um, childbirth can be a sacred ceremony, can be an opportunity to meet yourself in the most raw form, can be an opportunity to actually step into motherhood in that moment and go, um, I'm going to follow my intuition here. And for me, my intuition, like it was almost like as soon as the, the, the rushes started, the contraction started, my intuition just like blasted open. And it was like, I know exactly what I need to do. And what I'm really grateful for is that my midwife hung back like crazy, you know, and she, I barely knew she was there. She was so kind of like, she made her energy really small. And that was so helpful for me because I was, I just knew what I needed. I'm like, okay, I need to labor on the toilet. Okay. I need to go in the bathtub. Okay. I need to dance a little bit like, and help me up, you know, whatever I needed is kind of what, what happened. Um, and I, I felt so empowered stepping into motherhood that way, you know, knowing that I've never had an infant, but if I could intuitively birth my kid, then, okay, I can, <laughs> this infant is going to survive, you know, infancy um, and breastfeeding and all that stuff um, with the help of my intuition. Beautiful. Great point. And also brilliant point is that every birth is going to be different. You cannot ever compare your birth to another woman's or your first birth to your next birth. And so <laughs> Amber's thinking about her next birth right now. <laughs> but also I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, some women's intuition may be it's safer to birth in a hospital this time around yeah. and they need yeah. to follow that and that there is no wrong way to do birth if you're really f- listening to your intuition rather than the fear programs that people around us or whoever may be running. And I think that it looks different for every person, but no denying it is a major, major teacher and activator. Oh. And that is going to be the tool, the tool it really forces you to move into, or it naturally beckons you to move into, which is the intuition, I think is purposely activated in order to be your guiding light through the whole of your motherhood and the right. whole of your life, how to breastfeed, what your baby needs, understanding they're communicating with you, not just in the womb, but as infants, understanding that there is this invisible wisdom and intuition and language between all of you to, to give them what they really are asking for. So, I mean, intuition yeah. to me is just kind of like the 
number one tool to navigate your way through life. It's, I mean, oh, the, the sword dust, yeah. it stopped. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the chainsaw. <laughs> Just. Um, I want to piggyback off of that because I'm sort of what's coming through right now is um, if I can kind of like catch the tail of it and pull it through and take it out my mouth um, is that intuition shows up. I think, you know, this is coming through right now. So it's kind of going to be on the spot, but intuition comes through when we surrender to the mystery. And I think the mystery is a deeply feminine thing. And I think a deeply masculine thing is to want to quantify the mystery, want to uh, make the mystery known. And I would say that childbirth and death are really some of the only great mysteries left because we've quantified and made the unknown known so much through science and all these discoveries, which is amazing on many levels. Um, but that we that we have no choice in childbirth but to surrender to the unknown because like you said every birth is different you know every woman's story is going to be different um then it it allows opportunity for intuition to really come through if we allow it you know um and and i think that the mystery i mean think about any time in life where there's unknowns it's super uncomfortable to sit in that space you know so much anxiety comes up, all of this stuff. And yet, you know, I know for me, when there's a lot of unknowns, I really rely on my practices. I really rely on that. Like, okay, it's this, this is the time to surrender. Like, this is not the time to get into control mode because that's just an illusion. You're not controlling anything, you know? Totally. Um, so well said. So yeah, I think, yeah. And I think in a, and I think in many ways, like we can bring that into our daily lives more because life is, I mean, just to, yeah, life is full of unknowns and, you know, people say this all the time, but you know, you know, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how it's going to happen. And to live with that as human, as, as humans can be really horrifying or it can actually be empowering. Like, okay, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know how. So how do I actually hold death in my right hand here and look at it and go, all right, death, I am going to enjoy this moment looking at my baby's chubby hand so much because I know you're here too, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I think, I know we have to wrap up, but I think that's a beautiful point to sort of end on because um, back to the whole idea of the patriarchy versus the the female wisdom versus the, the male linear wisdom to be archetypal. Um, you know, in the archetypal descriptions of the male and female energies, you'll find that the the male is likened to the sun and to like the knowledge and to be able to see everything and understand everything. Where the female is likened to the moon or the darkness, where it's like it's the it's the fertile womb space, the the places within you which are mysterious, that is likened to the woman. So I think that's a great point to wrap up on just um, you know, as a consideration the great mystery and how that's connected to the, the female and the return of the female. Um, so Molly, I just, we, we could talk forever. There's still like a whole bunch of stuff that I want to get into with you, but yes. I guess we'll have to do that like over lunch one day. Thank you for being on right today. We loved having you. Um, thank you, Molly. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to riff with you guys. Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing. So I have a little invitation for our listeners but before I give that out. Um, Molly, where can people find you, follow you, see pictures of your cute baby, etc. <laughs> um, so I am spending, um, a lot of my outward, well, minimal outward really, um, energy on Instagram. You can follow me at Molly Mitchell underscore heart. Uh, heart is spelled H-A-R-D as in dog and T as in Tom. Um, and that's where you can see my babe too. Cutie, he's so cute. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you. And so for our listeners, a little invitation. How has the patriarchy invisibly infiltrated your life? And how can you begin to take your power back and stand in your power?
So just a little something to think about. So thank you for everybody who joined us today. We were so happy to have you. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Share this episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss, miss an episode. Um, that's it for today, guys. We love you. Thanks, and everyone. We will talk Thanks, to you Molly. next time Thanks, and Jenna. be with you next time. Thank Good you, work, Molly. ladies. Bye-bye. Thanks, Amber. Bye.